Episode 8 of Bellu Sports Segment. Before we get started, just be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bellu Sports Segment or at Bellu underscore sports. That's B-E-L-L-U-S underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. So just to jump in, one of the biggest headlines in the college football world this week is that it was LSU's last game at home, which means it was Coach O's last game, and then they brought in the new coach this week. So we'll just start out. It was the last game LSU played at home against Texas A&M. They won in a last-minute thriller, 27-24. to And it was, it was a crazy game to watch because LSU was down, and then they came down in the last minute, had a game-winning drive to score a touchdown with 20 seconds left in the game, walk-off win basically for Coach O. And the whole school, the players, the media, everybody loves Ed Ogeron. And nobody wanted to see him go. He was such a good fit at LSU. But, you know, they had announced, what, two months ago that he wasn't going to be there anymore, which was sad. But uh, he finished off his uh, six-year coaching, and he never had – was six-year coaching with LSU. And he never had a losing season – Finished this season six and six, and now the Tigers are bowl eligible, so they may have one more game coming up. But I don't, I don't know about that just yet. But like I said, the game was great to watch. It was uh, crazy the way it ended. Um, a lot of emotions and stuff, especially in the uh, end of the game press conferences, because you know there was seniors, and then of course, like I said, it was his last game as coach too. But um, it's just crazy that, like I've said before, they're getting rid of him because. It's his sixth year, never had a losing season, and he won the national championship just two years ago, 2019, and he was also coach of the year that year. So, you know, it's just we'll see how it goes, where he ends up, but uh, it's just sad seeing him leave there. He finished it up with, Go Tigers! But the new coach they're bringing in is Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. He's a well-established coach, great coach. He's had uh, 12 seasons with Notre Dame, and his overall record was 92-39. and 39. He's the winningest active coach in college football right now. Uh, I should have looked up what uh, Nick Saban's record is, because I would think that would be him. But either way, he's up there. He's in the top, at least. I don't know. Uh, his last five seasons with uh, Notre Dame, he was 10-3, and 12-1, and 11-2, 10-2, and 11-1. So, not bad. However, I... He has a hard time. I don't know if he's ever beaten an SEC school program at all, or if he has, it's been very rare. Uh, so people were saying on ESPN, if you know, if you can't beat him, join him. So now he's in the SEC. So definitely got to win, get, win some games there now. So um, that's a big deal. A lot of people are questioning whether he's going to fit in there uh, in Baton Rouge because of the culture and where he comes from and all of that. But uh, it was Ryan Clark was talking about on Sport, Sports Center. He said if he can go down there and win some games, I don't think anybody cares about his culture or anything else about it. So it's just his uh, let his let his uh, play speak, I guess. In other coach news, USC also hired a new coach this week, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I know that that USC job was one that had a lot of people looking at it because that's a that's a big program, has a lot of history. So it definitely was a big draw for coaches, and apparently there wasn't a whole lot of heads up for this, but it just kind of came out of nowhere that he left uh, Oklahoma and to go there. But we'll see how that goes. And also uh, another big headline this week, 
with college football was that Alabama almost lost to Auburn. They survived a four-overtime game, winning 24-22. That was a big-time game, and it really shows that Alabama, they're not that dominant team this year that they have been in the past. Yes, they've only lost one game, but they have not been winning in as much of a dominant fashion as they do in a lot of years. And the thing is, I, I mentioned this last week on the show, that how people say in the NFL, you know, a win is a win. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or not. As long as it's a win, it's it's good. In the college football world, if you're trying to get one of those top spots in the, uh, in the top 25 or in the top four for the playoffs and things like that in the college football playoffs, you have to win dominantly. Because, I mean, if you're just... It, if you're just a you know a medium level program and I mean you're a great school or whatever I mean even LSU this year you know them it doesn't really matter how by how much they win at all this year it, a win is a win for them because they're not in the running for any kind of playoff spots at all but for the people who are at the top you know Cincinnati and Ohio State and Michigan and Alabama and these schools in Georgia. If they don't win in dominant fashion, they can get knocked down. And it's crazy because people sit back that don't follow it that much and they're saying, well, they, they won. Why would they be knocked down? And it's just because it has to be, it's, you could beat a team in a certain way and it's just not good enough for the committee. So Alabama did drop down a few spots because of that close game with Auburn, which is interesting. And uh, Cincinnati moved up into three. So a lot of people were questioning if they were going to get in at all. Now they're in three. Michigan moved up after their shocking win over Ohio State. Um, it's it's shaping up a little bit different than a lot of people thought, and it's away. It's gotten away from that the typical year in year out. Alabama's one, and then you got Ohio State in there. It's I'm glad that this year is being shaken up a little bit. It gets some different people in there, make it a little bit different. Uh, other news, uh, Michigan State beat Penn State 30-27. to That was just a cool game to watch because there was a lot of snow. I don't even know how you could see Penn State players if you were playing because they were wearing their all-white uniforms and the whole field was white. That I, I, I don't know how you don't throw an interception there if you're, uh, if you're Michigan State, but that was a fun game to watch in the snow that uh, Michigan State won, close game. And then, I, like I said, there was a lot of coach news this week. Virginia Tech also finalized their head coach of the future, and that's going to be Penn State's defensive coordinator, Brent Pry. They're bringing him in, and um, we'll see how that goes. I don't know anything about him, but Virginia Tech finished their season 6-6. Six and six. They're now bowl eligible because they just won this past week during rivalry week, which it was a great rivalry week in college football, but they took down UVA 29-24 in a tight game to win the Commonwealth Cup. Virginia Tech has absolutely dominated that rivalry within the past 20 years. Uh, I think it was, they've won, I think, they've won every game in the past 24 matchups, except for two, I believe, um, within the past 24 years. I think they've only dropped two games to UVA. They, they were on a streak there for a little while. I think they, it was like 18 or 19 years in a row they didn't lose. But that, that's a crazy rivalry, the fact that they've dominated like that for the Commonwealth Cup. But uh, their, but their interim head coach just seems like such a great guy. They talked to him um, in the post game after the, after the game was over. They went down on the field, and all the students rushed the field. It was all this energy. It was a great game to watch. And um, the reporters were asking him you know, how much this means to him because he went there, he played there, now he coaches there. Then he got to beat uh, UVA as their head coach. 
And I, he said something like, you know, I didn't want it to be this way, you know, replacing somebody in the middle of the season, but it definitely meant a lot to him. Seemed like a really good guy, a good football guy. But that's about all I have for college football this week. Moving on to the NFL. Uh, we'll start out with Monday Night Football. The Washington football team beat the Seahawks 17-15. to The game was not as close as that sounds. Uh, the fact that Washington only won by two. The time of possession of this game was crazy. Washington had... They won the time of possession battle by far. Washington had the ball for 41 minutes and 40 seconds. Seattle only had the ball for 18 minutes and 20 seconds. That's absurd. I mean, it's almost, if you lose, if, if Washington would have lost that game, that would have had to have set some kind of record for most time of possession versus in, in, in losing. I, I don't know how you can't win if you have the ball for that amount of time. But uh, they almost did lose, though, because right at the end of the game, Seattle had done absolutely nothing on offense all night. They went down the field, scored a touchdown, and they were a two-point conversion away from tying the game, but they, uh, they didn't get it. Washington's defense stepped up there and got an interception in the end zone. And their defense has been playing good these past three weeks. Also, Washington's run game has finally started to work in these past couple of weeks and the defense and the run game that's the two things they need to help relieve some of that pressure off of Taylor Heineke because yeah he's not a bad quarterback but you know he's young he's inexperienced and you don't really want to be behind in games or be trailing by a lot to where you have to then be very pass heavy and relying on a person that's got a lot of inexperience as to where you if you can manage the game time and possession run the football control the game, don't ask too much of him. He can manage it and bring him down there and do what he needs to do to get them to win. Honestly, the Washington football team is not looking that bad in these past three weeks. They looked awful through the whole beginning of the season, but these past three weeks, they haven't looked too bad, and they are technically in the playoffs if the playoffs started today, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But like I said, Chase Young... Since they won the game that he got hurt and left, and they've won every game since, and their defenses have been playing lights out compared to the beginning of the season. I swear that Chase Young, I don't know what it is. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but he he is so hyped up for that defense, and he is not that good. I think he, he doesn't have a solo sack this season. I think he had like half a sack or something like that. Uh, so I, I don't think that the hype for him is is really worthy and considering that their defense is playing at a high level right now, I think that kind of backs up my claim, but moving forward uh, to the Steelers, they got whooped by the Bengals this week. It was bad 41 to 10 and that and they scored seven points in garbage time. It was really 41 to three, basically the entire game until like the last few minutes when they scored a touchdown, the Steelers, I really thought that they had something going these past couple of weeks Ben was looking great there for a while. The offense was firing well. Their defense was doing the best they could with people out. And when everyone was there, they were playing decent. But this week, not good at all. Couldn't stop the run at all. Joe Mixon just ran over them. They, they had no chance of stopping him. Joe Burrow was playing well. Uh, the Bengals have, are, have turned it around since they, had the, they dropped those couple of games a few weeks ago. And they're looking pretty dangerous again. But... I, it, they're still a very young team, and I think everybody was a little quick to judge 
when everyone was when they beat the Ravens, that was a huge deal, and that definitely was a big game. But I still would take the Ravens over the Bengals going into the playoffs for sure, just because they have more experience. I think in a year or two, the Bengals build a little bit more. They got a young base with a lot of talent with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all of these great offensive pieces, and their defense is good. That they're going to be a really dangerous team within the, the next few years. I'd say within the next three years, they definitely have a shot at possible. If everyone stays healthy and they play at the level they're playing at now and they continue to progress, I could see them being a Super Bowl contender within the next three years, which is crazy saying that about the Cincinnati Bengals. But anyway, Steelers, that's not good. And the thing is with Ben Roethlisberger, the internet is not kind to him at all. And the thing is, Okay, I know he's old. He's not the Ben that he used to be. I think that the Steelers definitely need to move on and they need to figure out what the moves are for the future. However, we don't have a guy right now. It's for sure it's not Mason Rudolph. And we've seen what Dwayne Haskins had in Washington. Now, maybe Mike Tomlin can can step in and, you know, uh, give him a good role model and get him to be a better guy on and off the field and get more out of him. But I still, he's not a great future option, Dwayne Haskins, at all. He's not even their backup guy right now, which shows you something. It's Mason Rudolph. If you're being beat out by Mason Rudolph, you're doing something wrong. But Ben Roethlisberger, the past, the previous five weeks before this week against the Bengals, he was playing very good football. Very good. The first few weeks of the season, he was playing very, very bad. So I don't really know if that, I mean, it's just, it's almost like quarterbacks a lot of times will come full circle if they play long enough. When an, when a quarterback comes into the league, they make a lot of rookie mistakes. They don't know what's going on. The game's moving a little fast for them, and they just can't read things. They can't keep up sometimes, and they'll make some stupid plays, which people expect from a young quarterback. So they kind of just write that off. They say, okay, that just comes with the growing pains of being a young quarterback in the NFL. If you play long enough, kind of like Ben Roethlisberger has, where you've been in the league for a very long time and you are not playing to the potential that you used to, to the heights that you used to, that it's similar kind of things. Like you still could play good. Like a rookie that comes in, you know, you could have great throws, you make great plays, athletic stuff, but then, then you make a stupid interception or something. It's very similar with an older player. It's when they're on their way out, they can still make great plays. You're like, wow, this guy still has it. And then they'll make some stupid plays. But people are a whole lot less forgiving on old players than young players because young players are like, oh, inexperienced. And the old person, you know, they, you know, they can't run as fast as they used to. They're not as quick in the pocket. They're not as good on the release. They're not as fast. They're not reading the defense as well. Whatever it is, it's just that the media is not as forgiving to a quarterback on that end of it. But I think it's funny how if you pay it, it, it does kind of come full circle because, you know, you have good weeks and bad weeks when your quarterback is kind of at the end and you have good weeks and bad weeks when they're on their way in as well. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. But Ben Roethlisberger is the best chance they have to win right now, but they really need to draft somebody or look into free agency this offseason for sure because you – I don't think that Ben is interested in coming back for another year. The only thing I can see with that is like if they draft like some kind of like prodigy or something and they want him to kind of model it, but I can't see him coming back another year. But like I said, the internet, like he had a lot of good weeks, 
prior to this and the internet was like, oh my God, like, you know, don't forget about Ben Roethlisberger. He's doing so great. He throws one interception. It's his first interception since week three or week four, I think. One interception. It was a pick six. And they're saying, oh man, get him off the field. He's terrible. He sucks. So it's, you know, it's, you kind of just don't even pay attention to it at this point. But anyway, moving forward, the Buccaneers beat the Colts in a very close game. It was 38-31. The Buccaneers, you could see that they were a a much more um, well-rounded team. They had much more control of the situations than the Colts did because the Colts are a very good team. We've seen this. It blows my mind that they're only 6-6, six and six, I think is the record, and because they do have a, a, a pretty good offense and defense. But the Buccaneers, it just shows you that they are the Super Bowl champs. There's a reason for that. They have Tom Brady and a lot of other weapons on that offense and defense that there's a reason why – they have had more success. I, I mean, obviously, it starts with Tom Brady and his control of the game and knowing what you need to do. But also, uh, also on the other side with the Colts, Carson wins. He's had some good games, but also has some stupid plays. And this week it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And um, Jonathan Taylor is obviously their biggest weapon, but you know he can't do all of it like he did the the other week with five touchdowns every single week. But it was a close game. I think the Colts the Colts are dangerous. They definitely can beat some teams, but I don't think that they're a legit threat for this year. But if they can improve on some things, I think within the next year or two, they could be pretty good. Uh, but the Buccaneers, uh, Leonard Fournette had four touchdowns rushing this game. Uh, he just took over. He put the team on his back, the whole thing. And there was that whole funny clip. Uh, Rob Gronkowski made a video and... He was saying that his name is Four Net for four touchdowns, so that's pretty good. And I, I like Leonard Fournette; he's an LSU guy, and he's really been—he's having a breakout the year this year, honestly. Because in the past couple of years, he—they shared the backfield with Ronald Jones and and some other people, and uh, but he's really taken control of it this year. Been a good fantasy pickup for sure. Uh, the Patriots—they just continue to dominate everybody. They beat the Titans thirty-six to thirteen without having too much of a problem at all. And I think the little fun side fact is that Mike Vrabel obviously was a former Patriot, and he caught a touchdown from Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And then now here he is coaching the Titans against the Patriots. And then he's also coached against Tom Brady, and he's a coach, and Tom's still playing. So I think that's interesting. And also coaching against Bill Belichick, his former coach. So that's a little side note there that, they're still doing it. Now he's coaching. He was a player. But uh, the Patriots, they just continue to dominate. Mac Jones having a great – he's got to be rookie of the year. I can't see anybody else that, gonna, that would beat him out for rookie of the year. Uh, and he has better numbers than a lot of veterans at this point uh, with completion percentages and things like that because of the way that Bill Belichick set up that offense. That is a dangerous team for sure. Um, the 49ers, uh, they beat the the Vikings 34-26. to 49ers, uh, they're playing pretty good football these past couple of weeks, which is shocking. I don't think that they're really, you know, a legit threat that much. But them and the Vikings, I think they're kind of on the similar playing field. Uh, that's why I kind of wanted to bring this game up, was because neither team is outstanding, but both teams can put up a good fight against pretty much any team. And the 49ers, their defense playing very well. 
and their running game is playing very well. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he's doing what he needs to do to win. And uh, Debo Samuel, he uh, he's just been taken over in in the 49ers games. He he's basically he's a running back, he's a wide receiver. And the thing is, the 49ers, it's like they have this crazy new concept that. They're like, oh, uh, our wide receiver is one of our best players on our team. How about we just hand him the ball? I don't get how that hasn't been used more. G- give the ball to DK Metcalf on the Seahawks. Hand it off to him. I mean, come on. Look how big he is. You don't have to do it every play, but get him involved more. I mean, he had like two targets in this past game this week, which is crazy. I, do something like that. And then the Vikings, you know, they had that big win against the Packers last week. And then here they come out here and they don't really perform very well. Uh, Kirk, he's a good guy on the stat sheet, but when it comes down to crunch time, I don't believe in him. And the money that he is getting is crazy. It's really not worth it, uh, I don't think, with with Kirk. Um, I think it's pretty well established that I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan on this show. And I think that he's overrated, and he just can't handle the pressure of big games. Even if that team was in a good spot right now, if they got to the playoffs, there's no... You really think... You're, okay, you might if you're upset with what I'm saying. If you like Kirk or you like the Vikings, picture them almost at a Super Bowl, deep into the playoffs. Do you really believe that he's going to take care of business and be able to step up and make plays when it needs to be done? There's no way. Uh, but let's see another team that is heating up: the Dolphins. They took care of the Panthers this week, 33 to 10. This is an interesting game because the Dolphins have won quite a few games in a row now. The Dolphins are heating up out of nowhere, and Tua is playing well, and the Panthers team as a whole is playing well, and the Panthers, they had that little flash there for a minute, and now they're back to sucking again. Cam was garbage. Cam Newton, this big return, right? You know, he's back. He's that He played two games. He, he got benched this week. Listen to this. He was 5 for 21 with 92 yards and two interceptions. No one has had that bad of a completion percentage since 2004 in the entire NFL. Cam had five completions in the whole game. Tua only had four incompletions, just to put that in perspective. And, uh, you know, Cam, he's like, I'm back, I'm back. It's like, yeah, he's definitely back. (laughs) That's the Cam that was uh, on the Panthers right before they got rid of him, and that was kind of the Cam that was in uh, New England. So... Uh, we'll see if he could turn it around or not, but we'll see. And then um, Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers, another injury-prone guy. He He's a great running back, okay? I'm not taking that away. When he's on the field, he's one of the best, if not the best running backs in the NFL, okay? I get that. But he's no good when he's hurt and he's on IR. And it's just been, it just seems like every time you look, he's not playing or he's injured or he's questionable. And he's back on IR with an ankle injury. He's out for the rest of the season. This is his second time on IR this year. He's played five full games this season. That's it. He's only played three full seasons out of his five seasons in the NFL. And within the past two years, he played a total of 10 games. And that's including the games that he got hurt. I think he's only played... Uh, he played three last year or something like that. And then a couple of... He has not played a whole lot in the past two years. And... I don't know. At this point, it's do you really believe in the guy a whole lot? I mean, running backs don't have that big of a lifespan anyway in the NFL, and then being this injury prone, it right like Saquon Barkley, he's only been in the league for four years, and 
he's only played really one full season. He almost completed his second one. He had 13 games played. But then he played two games in 2020, and he played seven this year. So it's just those two running backs, they're both super, super talented guys, but they can't stay healthy. And to me, it's almost like you'd rather take a medium to you know lower-level high-type talent that's there and available rather than a superstar that can't stay on the field. I don't know. It's it's tough, and I mean, it's not it's out of their control. It's unfortunate. Of course, they want to be healthy. They don't want to miss time. But it's frustrating if you're a fan or fantasy or whatever. You know, and then the person can't stay healthy. But and then uh, the last big game here, the Packers. Uh, they beat the Rams 36-28. That was a pretty easy game for them. Honestly, uh, the Packers are a pretty reliable team right now. Aaron Rodgers has said that he demands perfection of himself every time he's out there. And the Rams, they can only beat bad teams. Okay, they're not that great of a team. Uh, I don't really know what the problem is. It's just it's when you build a super team in the NFL, it just seems like it doesn't really work out. It kind of happened in Cleveland. They brought in a lot of good people from different places on free agency, and then the team cohesion just isn't there. It's it's just, I don't know. you got to build a team, and the team atmosphere just hasn't really been there, it seems like. But the Packers, they're, they're still dominating teams pretty well. They they got a good, balanced offense pretty much. Aaron Rodgers is playing well. So they're definitely still um, the, in the top two of the, the NFC. And then uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up was Jacksonville Jaguars. They lost to the Falcons 21-14. Just a fun little stat that uh, Urban Meyer and his time with Jacksonville this season, he is 2-9, and nine, and he coached Ohio State for seven years, and he was 83-9. and nine. So he's lost the same amount of games already, NFL versus his time at uh, Ohio State, which I think is kind of funny. Lastly, I just wanted to get into the playoff standings. As it stands right now, the Ravens have the number one seed in the first round by in the AFC, and the Cardinals have a first round by in the NFC, and they're in first place. But just some little things. The Patriots are in the second place right now in the AFC, which is crazy. They crept up in there. They're in second. And the Titans are still in three. Chiefs, four. Bengals, five. Bills have dropped to six in the AFC. And then the Chargers have that last seventh seed spot right now at six and five. And then the NFC, the Cardinals, like I said, are at one, Packers two, Buccaneers at three, Cowboys in fourth place, even though they've dropped two games recently. Rams are still in fifth place. The 49ers have jumped up into sixth. So you got to see how they handle it these next couple of weeks. And then the Washington football team is in the seventh place in the NFC and would be in the playoffs if they started today. I think that's probably the most shocking of all of that. But moving on to the last part of the show with uh, this week's bets. Um, Well, last week didn't go great. Um, I mean, I didn't do terrible, but uh, I keep hitting three out of four legs on the parlays, which you might as well not hit any at that point. So I just had some tough luck. But uh, this week for the over-unders, I like the Cardinals Bears under 45 and a half. I know the Cardinals have that explosive offense and the Bears aren't that great, but it just seems like the Cardinals kind of play down to their opponents a little bit this year, so they're not really blowing teams out. They win by enough that it's not really a worry, but they're not killing teams. So I think the under might hit their 45. The Chargers Bengals over 50 and a half. The Chargers have shown that they can win in shootouts and they can keep up. 
if their offense is firing and the Bengals have done the same and both teams can compete pretty well with pretty much any team so I think that they could hit that over Ravens Steelers under 44 because every time these teams play the Ravens and the Steelers it's low scoring field goals one or two touchdowns that's about it it's a it's low run the football defense uh very tough hard fought hard-nosed football games so i think definitely under there i think i've bet the steelers under almost every single time this year and then uh lastly the patriots and bills over 43 and a half both of those offenses can put up points i don't really get why that line is so low I guess because both of them have decent defenses, but I think that uh, these two teams definitely go over 43 and a half points. And then I'll take the Jaguars plus 13 against the Rams. Jacksonville, they've had a couple of little bright spots, not many, but I think 13 points in the Rams. The Rams haven't been playing great. I think that they can hold within around two touchdowns of the Rams if they have a good week. Maybe. I mean, they're professional athletes, right? I like the Patriots plus two and a half against the Bills. I think that the Patriots can win this game. But if they don't, because the Bills, obviously they have something to prove because they've not been playing great, I think that it will definitely be a close game. So I think the Patriots definitely would cover, but probably will win, honestly, against the Bills. But I don't know, because like I said, the Bills have been playing not great but they won last week so we'll have to see how they perform against the Patriots because that could be a crucial playoff matchup there the Patriots and the Bills so that's something to keep an eye on and then lastly Cowboys minus four and a half against the Saints I think the Cowboys will come out here take care of business they lost last week in a close game to the Raiders on Thanksgiving and the Saints they have no quarterback they have a ton of injuries it's just not a good look for the Saints right now, and the Cowboys have to rebound this week to keep up. That's my picks for this week. Like I said at the beginning of the show, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram for sports content all week and things that we've talked about on the show. I'll catch you next week.